right, good evening. Well, as we've been going through the Old Testament in the evenings, you know, think about where we've been. We were there at creation through the preaching of the word, not actually at creation, as you know. We were there when God created man. We were there when Adam rebelled against God. We were there when God made a promise in Genesis 3.15 that he would send a redeemer who would crush the serpent's head. We were there when um, things got so bad that God sent a flood. We were there when God saved Noah. We were there for Abraham and all of those incredible stories there for Joseph. And now we're at the point where The children of Israel are now a covenant people, where God has made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai. And now God is wanting to bring them into, fully into the promised land. They're about to go there, but we know, we're jumping ahead in the story, but they said no. But God, in order to solidify, I guess, the the covenant was for them to have a central place of worship a place in which they as a people would gather and be reminded of the covenant and uh, be reminded of who God is in the building of this tabernacle, the the symbolism of the altar and all that goes into it that we've been going through. And so now God appoints two people in particular to build this tabernacle that we've been learning about so far. Remember, God said in Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, he says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. Again, in Exodus 25, verse 40, he says, And see that you make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown you on the mountain. So God had given a very specific set of instructions about how his tabernacle was to be built. The materials, the dimensions, and everything, we've already seen all that, and now it comes time for it to be built, and God appoints two people. I've entitled tonight's sermon, Called by Name, Filled with God's Spirit. I would ask that you would stand with me as we would pray and we would read from God's Word. Father, we ask again that you would reveal yourself in the preaching of your word. That you would plant your word down deep in us. Cause it to bear fruit, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that we would be encouraged and we would be strengthened. That as your children that you've called us by name, you've filled us and you've sealed us with your spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word this night. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 to 11. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Beziel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Benjamin, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahimeshach, 
of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of the meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, the pure lamp, Stand with all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments and the holy garments for Aaron, the priest and the garments of his son for their service as priests and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. When I look at that, it seems, you know, we look at this text and it's just straightforward. God tells us, I've given two guys, a Holiab, Beziel, and a Holiab. I've given them ability to make the tent exactly as I have shown you. God says you are to build it exactly as I have shown you, right? Don't deviate it. Well, what's the problem with that? God didn't give a set of blueprints that we know of. God told Moses... This is how long it's to be. This is how high it's supposed to be. This is the width. This is this. This is the, the, the wood and the gold and this and that. And it's supposed to be in blue and purple, gold, and all these things. He told them these things. But no one saw what was supposed to be. No one knew what it would look like. As far as we know, God didn't show an image of it. And so it goes from God to Moses to Beziel and Aholiab. Right? You know where I'm going. Anybody play telephone? Right? What happens when you get a couple people in between the original? Right? It's not the same thing. It could get lost in translation. But God is going to make sure that it's not. It's going to be exactly as I want it to be. It's almost a picture of salvation. You are to be holy as I am holy. I can't be holy. And so God sent Jesus Christ to become righteousness for me and for you. He says, I have called them by name. Look what it says in verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called Beziel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. Beziel, his name means in the shadow or protection of God. In the shadow or protection of God. I don't know if there's any significance of him being from the tribe of Judah. I, I, don't, I think we would be putting too much into it to say, oh, he's from the tribe of Judah, and he's going to make the altar, and the altar's to sacrifice, and that atones for sins, and it has to be from the tribe of Judah. Uh, he's just from the tribe of Judah. That's what I would say. He was called by name. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says the same thing. And behold, I have appointed with him a Holiab, the son of a Hashemeshach of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all, to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. So at Bezion, we have a Holiab. A Holiab means, name means, my tent is the Father God. Uh, Philip Graham Riken in his commentary on Exodus writes this, Aholiab's job was to build God's dwelling on earth. And his name explained what the holy tent was designed to show. Namely, that God is the shelter for his people. I like that. 
His name was, was with what he was to do. He says, I have called them by name, but he not just only called them by name. He says, I have filled with my spirit. Filled with my spirit. Well, as students of the Bible, we know that to be filled with the spirit in the Old Testament was a very rare occasion. God's spirit came upon people, but to be filled with the spirit was rare. God has filled these two men and others with the ability to do what he has called them to do. Listen to what it says again in verse 3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. Again, verse 6. And behold, I have appointed with him a Holdab, the son of Hashemeshach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men, all able men, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Fawcett and Brown in their commentary say that when God has a special work to be accomplished, he always raises up instruments capable of doing it. God has called them and God has filled them with his spirit, divinely inspired to do the task of which God has called them to do. In other words, nobody else in the three million plus people of the tribe of Israel were going to be able to do the job that they were given. They were the architects, they were the foremen, they ran the show. They were to be the chief builders with others around them that God also gave divine ability to. And that's the next point, divine ability. Go back to Exodus chapter 35. This is what God says. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, or go ahead to chapter 35, I should say. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name Beziel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and carving wood for every work and every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Hashemeshach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen or by a weaver or any sort of workman or skilled designer. What sticks out to me in this is God says for them to devise, to devise artistic designs, to devise artistic designs. God said, you are to make it exactly as I told you, yet they have some free will in this. God said, you are to make these blue uh, and scarlet curtains. They're to have embroidered cherubim on them, a seraphim, all these things on them. But God, we don't see that God says, this is how it's supposed to look that Oholiab and Beziel and the men that they taught had this ability to design it the way they wanted to. And yet it would still be exactly what God wanted. I think that's a beautiful picture. 
that God doesn't make robots. Here's what you're to do. Go and make it. And obviously, they made the right thing because God accepted the tabernacle. But it says he's given them three things. He says three things. They're called by name, filled with the Spirit, and given divine ability. And quite frankly, if we were just dealing with the text, I could walk away right now. Service is over. We're done. That's what the text says. But if you think about it, it's a kind of a picture of us, isn't it? The Bible says that you and I are called by name. We're called by name from God. God has called us by name. Isaiah 43.1 But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. You know, God, there's an old song, He, he, well, it's a song, he knows your name. Of course He knows your name. He knows your DNA. So he said, uh, and son, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you. And if you're his child, he has called you by name. Not only has he called you, he has not just filled you with his spirit, but he has sealed you with his spirit. How much greater to be filled and sealed as opposed to just filled with the spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth... Oh, let's just stop there for a second. Go back to Sunday school this morning. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, evangelism, somebody went to the church in Ephesus and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. It goes, when you heard it, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him who is him in Jesus Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Man, what a great promise. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit that once in faith in Christ, God sealed us with the Spirit and it's never going to be broken. We are his forever and ever and ever. We were called by name. We were empowered. Uh, we, uh, we were uh, filled with the Spirit. We're sealed with the Spirit. And because we're sealed with the Spirit, you know what? We are empowered to do the will of God. Empowered through the Spirit to do what God has called us to do. These guys, as amazing as they were in making things, were, ha- needed the help of God's Spirit to do it. And so also, we need God's help to live the Christian life. I can't live it by my, I can't live it in my own strength. I might be a good boy for a little bit, and it's only a very little bit. You may be a good boy for a little bit. But we need the power of God's Spirit to strengthen us, to uh, empower us to do His will. It was, it's God's will, the Bible says, It's God's will that none should perish. But we know that people will perish. But if you were called by name, it was God's will that you would not perish. And he empowered you to be obedient to God's call. Philippians 1.29 For it has been granted to you 
that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, there it is. You are empowered to believe in God. You didn't come to believe in God all, oh, today I'm just going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Never once has that ever entered in the heart of man all by himself, outside of a work of the Holy Spirit, impressing upon people and calling them by name to himself. You have been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also to suffer for our sake. It may be God's will that we suffer. Of course, suffering has different variations to it, correct? We pray that none of us suffer as the prophets of old suffered, as Jesus suffered, or as the disciples suffered. But if God would call us to it, God will empower you to get through it. God will empower you to do it through His Spirit. Ephesians 2.10 says, For you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what God has called you to. You know what God wants you. This morning we talked about the will of God. What is God's will for us? Well, there's a few places we know in Scripture God says, this is my will for you. Your sanctification, that you rejoice, that you give thanks, and you pray always. Okay, what about the rest of my life? What's God's will for me? Well, that's found through prayer. It's found through counsel. Do we know what God has called you to? But He's called you to something... And he's called you a good work, which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. He's empowered you to do whatever he's called you to do. It says of Beziel and Aholiab that God gave them intelligence and wisdom and all of these things. God gave the same thing to us. I mean, I don't. I I I, I would like to believe that. Aholiab and Beziel were already naturally inclined in the arts, so God used their natural skill. But it says he needed to give them intelligence and wisdom and all of these things. And you know what? You and I need the same exact thing. The same exact thing from God. God empowers us because the truth is, you and I were not the sharpest knives in in, in, in the drawer. Listen to what God says about us. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, which also goes for us. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Well, that's true. I'm not, I don't fit in any of those categories. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring about the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So who did God choose? This is the category that you and I all fit in. We're not wise according to the world's standards. We're not powerful. We're not of noble birth. We're weak. We're low and we're despised. That's who God uses. I mean, just look at the disciples. Look at us. So we also need wisdom. We need strength. We need understanding from God. And what does God give us in Christ? And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us 
wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who is your wisdom? Who gives you wisdom? Who gives you understanding? It's the Lord. It's the Lord to do the things of the Lord. I see we have similarities to Aholiab and Beziel. But there's one even greater than Beziel and Aholiab, obviously greater than us, of one who was called and chosen by God. And if it wasn't for this man being chosen, and if it wasn't for his calling, and him being spiritually enabled to do it, everything would be for naught. Of course, that's the Lord Jesus. Jesus was chosen by God to do a work that only he can do. He was empowered by the Spirit of God to do what he was to do. Remember, when he went to John, what happened? The Holy Spirit, what? Came and descended upon Jesus. And he went out from that point and did his ministry. Ephesians tells us this. It's a rather long passage, but I think it's it's a passage we should commit to understanding, maybe even commit to memory. Where God says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So who has blessed us, and where are we blessed? We've been blessed by God, we've been blessed by Christ in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. What an amazing statement that is. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before the words, let there be light, were spoken, you, if you're God's child, were chosen, and even at that point, sealed for God. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved, in him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, Upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of all time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works out all things according to the counsel's will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Look at all that is ours in Christ Jesus. All that is ours from the one who was chosen even before the foundation of the world. Over and over, we are blessed, blessed in the beloved, adoption, redemption, predestined. All of these things are ours in Christ Jesus. Why is that so important? Because Aholiab and Beziel were building a tabernacle. We're in a church. We call this place the sanctuary. But all of this points to a greater, a greater tabernacle. Who is Jesus Christ himself? Jesus is the true tabernacle. 
I wonder if these guys knew the symbolism of what they were doing. This is going to represent this and this and that and everything else that we've all gone through. And, and, and I wonder what they thought about when they built the Ark of the Covenant. When they built the mercy seat. I wonder what was like, man, God is going to be here. This is where God's going to meet us. And before we get to where God can meet us, and even we can't because the priest will once a year for us, we're really going to meet God out here at this altar. At this altar, which is going to be a symbol of my sins being taken away and an innocent one paying the price for me. I wonder. They were new and thought ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a suspicion they did because God put it in their heart and in their mind. I wonder if they knew that what they were doing was temporary, that this is pointing to someone greater. Jesus, if you remember, with the Pharisees, said to them, you know what? You swear by the temple, but someone greater than the temple is here. And that threw them in a fit. They were in a fit over it. But Jesus, Jesus is our true tabernacle. Revelation 21, 22 says this, And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Isn't that interesting? In heaven, there's going to be no place to go to worship. There's going to be no central place. There's going to be no church. There's no point for it. Because there's the Lamb. There's God the Father. The true tabernacle. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the more perfect tent. Hebrews 9, 11, and 12, he says, But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Thanks be to God for the greater tabernacle. And so when I read about Aholiab and Beziel, and I think they're proved two really blessed characters, proved two really neat guys, there had to be something about them already that God would say, I'm going to choose you. But when I look at this, I say, okay, here's just a story. Here's two guys. God's, so we've already laid out the altar of incense and the tabernacle. All those things have been laid out for us. And now it's time to build it. So, okay, so God appoints these two guys to build it. He gives them the skill to build it. But it should cause us to think further ahead, to go further beyond, because we have the completed word. And it just made me think about how, you know what? We've been blessed in Christ. We've been called in God. We've been empowered to do what God has called us to do. We've not only been filled, but we've been sealed with His Spirit. But there's one even greater, the Lord Jesus Christ, called by God, empowered by the Spirit, to be the more perfect tabernacle for us. And that's what I got. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are the perfect tabernacle. Thank you that when we come to you, it's no longer through the blood of bulls and goats. 
for we come through the one-time sacrifice of your own self, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, help us. Help us to know that you value us, that we have a place in your kingdom, that there is a job for us to do, and that you've called us by name, you've empowered us with your spirit, you empower us to do your will, you've not only filled us, you've sealed us with your spirit, Help us, Lord God, to know the high calling of Christ Jesus for our own lives. And Lord, may we walk in confidence. May we walk not in fear, but in faith of what you've called us to. And Father God, we, we ask for and we look forward to the coming of your kingdom in which we will see the Lamb seated on his throne. We'll see the most perfect tabernacle So, Lord, we ask that you come quickly. Until then, help us to be about our Father's business. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. We read in James 1.17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I'm so grateful that we have a great God. And if we could open up our hymnals, we're going to continue to worship him with 193, God is so good. We'll sing all four verses. 193. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He's so good to me. He loves me so. He loves me so, he loves me so, he's so good to me. God is so good, God is so good. God is so good, he's so good to me. Amen.